Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Monday, July 24th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, his book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? That chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. Certainly not the only, but the primary tool in this work. And that chapter provides a description and explanation of the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. I had a bit distracted by a whole series of messages that just came in. My apologies. So you can read that chapter and get a very good narrative description and explanation of that tool. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again. Absolutely free. You can actual, actually download a whole series of audio files of shows just like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process, and that will serve as a tutorial if you decide to listen to those. I, I tend to listen to them repeatedly for insights. And um, you can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done 
typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. And if you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet, an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1 on your phone. It'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. Alternatively, you can send us an email. Send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And as I like to say, we greatly appreciate whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service. And if you would let us know how these things are landing for you and or how we can be of service to you, we would appreciate it. We have plenty of time. Starting the hour, we've got about 54 minutes left. So let us know what's what's working for you, what's resonating, what questions you might have about these tools or how to apply them in your life. And I like to remind people that that's perfectly all right to call that number and press 1 even if I'm in the middle of what seems to be a monologue or a key idea. I will... see the switchboard notification and turn the microphone on as soon as it seems appropriate for the flow of the show. So please don't hesitate to press 1 on your phone. Whether you want to refute what we're saying or you want to agree with it or you want to ask for clarification, all of these things are valid. I'm... um, I was going to mention today that I was listening to an interview with the woman who founded Sounds True, which is an online service that collects a number of different either psychological or spiritual teachers and uh, presents their work, whether it's as a podcast or it's an online class or it's an audio book and one of the ones that she was doing was an interview with a gentleman who um he I don't know that he's coined the term but he's talking about reverse meditation and essentially in the reverse meditation model you're not 
trying to force your brain to go quiet. You are, the gentleman's name is Andrew Holosek, H-O-L-E-C-E-K. And basically, it's um, it's very similar to the, the, the one deep meditation that got me the the best progress when I first started doing meditation was to just set aside your time slot, whether it's 15 or 20 minutes, and just make an agreement with yourself that if any thought, anything that comes up in the next half hour, 20 minutes, whatever, is perfectly okay for you to just notice it and let it go. You're not going to pour any mental, emotional energy into it. And you make an appointment with yourself for a couple hours later that if something comes up, comes to mind that you really need to get angry about or feel sad about or whatever, you can do that in a couple of hours. And then you find a comfortable chair and a comfortable bed, whatever you want to do, and just breathe and soften and you shift the focus of your attention between these three objects of attention. One is, what are the thoughts that are coming into my mind? Let them float in. You might imagine them getting surrounded by a cartoon bubble and then floating away and just take that childlike curiosity just to observe them coming. The next focus of attention is your breath, that you're just observing what rate of breathing breathing is your body choosing. It's not forcing the deep breath. It's not forcing a shallow breath. It's not holding the breath. It's just watching what your breath is doing. And the third focus of attention is to do a mental inventory from the top of your head down to your feet or vice versa, to just notice what you're feeling at a physical sensation level. And if you gently shift the focus of your attention during your meditation period from your breath work to your thoughts to your mental inventory of the the physical sensations and bounce back and forth between those three and just allow whatever thoughts come in, whatever feelings, whatever emotions, whatever breath, and just notice it, that is a successful meditation. And the first time I tried that, I got more deeply relaxed than I had after years of trying a whole bunch of different techniques that had me trying to corral my mind or focus my mind or blank out my thoughts, etc. Well, the reverse meditation is very much like that. It's much more about allowance and he has a five uh, four-step process that he talks about where you um, he uses the acronym obey for observe be with it examine it and yoke yourself to it become one with it so in the be with it you're sitting beside it you're just sitting down next to it you're you're sitting there observing and and allowing and and the next step is you you examine it more deeply and get very specific about the details of the thoughts the emotions the physical sensations etc And then the last step is you become it. You meld with it. You yoke yourself to it. And it's the kind of thing where in the interview when they were trying to get him to describe it, 
there aren't really any words for this. How do you do that? You don't teach somebody how to do it. You just point them in the direction of the possibility, and everyone either arrives there and allows this to be the truth of their experience or not, and everyone does it in their own time. So in combination with the book on allowing and working with healing through the dark emotions, um, which is the book by Marion Greenspan that I'm also working through, um, that allowing stance of the reverse meditation, that acceptance of what is for its true nature helps an individual, and I've had this experience myself, helps me move out of the suffering into just the experience of discomfort or pain or whatever is in the moment without adding to it, without fighting against it without um, pouring a lot of mental energy into the conclusion that this is not supposed to be happening, etc. And it, I've had this experience. It dramatically changes my experience of these very difficult situations, these very difficult emotions, these very difficult physical sensations, and so um, it's a, a slight variation on what we do in every worksheet process where we say, okay, here's what my mind is telling me needs to happen in order for me to be happy or get back on track, etc. And I'm just going to cancel all of that and ask to be shown how something else of value might be experienced in this moment. Not acquired but experienced, not pushed away, just allowed, accepted, and experienced. And as I've pointed out before, I believe this is very much in alignment with what we're reading when we're reading the essays from the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And finding a different lens through which to look upon my life experience is a very, very useful tool. I've had a number of patients, a number of friends in my life who have had a a, a tremendous life in terms of overall physical health of themselves and their family and their children, uh, financial abundance, at least financial adequacy. And what we call financial adequacy here in the Western world and America these days is extremely abundant compared to what many people, many, many, many people on the planet are experiencing. And in spite of all of that, 
it is my on a regular basis it's my experience to work with people who actively find something to complain about almost every day sometimes at every part of the day and whether it's just what they were conditioned into from their family of origin or it's some triggered um, auto response pattern from their trauma energies that have been downloaded it is amazing at times how gifted the people are and how um, fortunate they are in their physical resources and finances and physical health and yet they seem to be stuck with a filter that says woe is me or I can't believe this is happening or won't this ever change and so what I've been getting from a number of these most recent essays from A Walk in the Physical is how accessible it is to change the filter through which I view my experience in the world, my experience as a physical body. And one of these is the idea that um, essay 148 is the body as a vessel for integrating experience. And I, I could choose a filter that says all of this stuff, whether it's aches or pains or financial burdens or a physical illness or the illness or death of someone I love, each of these things simply presents me with another opportunity to strengthen my ability to choose for love in this moment, to get the filter out that says everyone is doing the best they can in each moment with whatever resources they have and to ask how can I turn this moment into a blessing? How can I be a blessing for myself and others? How might this situation work out better than I could have imagined? And choosing a filter like that is the the primary process that's available to all of us to change our experience of life moment to moment. And one of the other essays we read was that fear and ignorance are the obstacles. And so every time we're in a mode, we're viewing through a lens that has us generating fear, it's because we are not seeing the whole picture. Because we are perceiving through a very limited lens. One of the earlier essays we read helped us understand that if we ever look out at the world and we see something that looks paradoxical, we can be assured that that is an indication that we are only seeing a small fraction of what's actually going on that when you know the whole truth, paradox is not possible. The next essay for us to read is 152. It's titled, Humbly Acknowledging Your Divine Identity. Now this, as we read this, please 
be aware. Scan your body. Notice the sensations. Notice the judgments. Notice the previous conditioning and belief systems. Just be aware. We are, we are not presenting this as though this is the truth and this is right and everything else is wrong. This is just a set of ideas. What we acknowledge as we present these things is they, they are most useful as the banging of a gong and the resonance of the energy and the thoughts to help us identify where we feel tight or tense or constriction and look within ourselves to find what we might need to dismantle, release, or at least re-examine in order to stop producing that tension, to move into relaxation, acceptance, and allowance. So the title of this essay is Please. Please just watch the tension. The title is Humbly Acknowledging Your Divine Identity. And the essay reads, You are not just a part of God. You are altogether God. And God is altogether you. This is not blasphemy. This is your identity. That's a quote from Wayne Dyer. The essay goes on and says, Even in deep humility, you can simultaneously recognize that you are a part of Source. Capital S, Source. You contain the potential and power of the whole. W-H-O-L-E. That which is perfect and unlimited when divided into parts is no less perfect and unlimited. As an individuation of the one, all that is, capital O-N-E, you are simultaneously not God and yet you are God. You are just a drop in the ocean and yet in the words of Rumi, quote, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the mighty ocean in the drop. Close quotes. The essay goes on. While the ego can easily try to claim this idea, the truth of it far surpasses the limitations of the separate self and its ego's fierce quest for identity. Yet, even as we feel separate, there is power in acknowledging what we are. For in the truth of what we are, there is nothing to fear. In what we truly are, there is no lack and there is no limitation. In what we truly are, there is no death, no captivity, no disease. Acknowledging that helps to liberate us from the fear of lack and limitation that we have bought into while we've been lost in the dream of being human. The truth of what we are is freeing. The power of the whole 
that belongs to us is the same power that gives rise to universes, the same power that is at the root of all beauty and ugly expressions of form. As creative beings, we are responsible for how we use that power. For where you go and where we go, reality ultimately follows. Acknowledging who we really are, then, can be the first step to deliberately using our power and intentionally carving a path in the world, carving a path in the world of form that is more reflective of our true nature. Our true nature is that of joy and love. Again, the theme here is we have the opportunity here in physical creation, as Abraham Hicks would say, on the cutting edge of creation. If you're in a physical body, you are at the cutting edge of creation. And we have the choice in each moment to choose for love, to choose to strengthen our intention towards love, and strengthen our intention away from fear. The next essay is titled, Form as an Expression of the Joy of Being. And the essay reads, The joy of being expresses through form. Form is of being, even as being transcends form. And so, being, all that is, revels in the forms that it loves and that are expressions of its core fundamental native existence as the energy of love. The love of a sunset, the love of the beauty of a child's laughter, the love of color and song, these are more and many, many more things from form, from experience in the realm of form, are the essence of being. It is what beingness is as it expresses in form, even as it rejoices in the forms that exist within it and of it. Beingness revels in manifest creation. Beingness revels in creating sunsets and laughter and color and song. Consciousness loves sensation. Consciousness loves experience. This love is at the root of all manifestation of experience, even experience that can, for a time, have a most severe edge in this world of duality. The soul is so churning with this love that it may even seek to test the very boundaries of manifest expression, to test the farthest extremes of duality, to know them. Our world is one of many that fill such powerful, love-based, creative ambition, that fulfill the powerful, 
love-based creative ambition. Even though here on Earth we have accomplished a daringly deep dive into the world of the discrete, that love, that creative energy is still what we are. Every single experience is ultimately underlined by this energy of creation that some call love. And thus, any form, no matter what it is, whether it's a thought, an action, a body, a physical object, every form has the potential to be known in joy. We may feel constantly experientially distracted from this joy by the boundaries of the separate self. We may be distracted from this by our addiction to thinking or by our thick association with our labels or by our resistance to truly feeling what we feel and by our fierce and constant grasping for the human identity. However, even those experiences are made of the same substance of the energy of creation, some would call love. Even the separate self arises in that energy of creation that some would call love and from the joy of being as that joy of being actualizes its power and its powerful ability to adore manifest experience. And that joy of being rather than separate humans is what we really are. You are the joy of being. You are consciousness. Consciousness is joyful at its essence. And that is far more the truth of your nature than your physical appearance as a separate human being. So again, the invitation is to watch carefully. Is part of your mind refuting this even as you're hearing it? Is part of your body tensing up as you as you hear this? I had I've had two sessions already today where people were noticing in the middle of the session their neck getting stiff, their shoulder getting tight and have a stabbing pain in it, their throat locking up. And it's never happening in isolation. It's always connected to the emotions, the thoughts, the associations, the identities, the resistance that we are choosing in each moment. So if you're feeling tight or tense when you hear this, if you feel yourself going into resistance, breathe into it. You might want to take a a deep breath, hold it at the top, and as you slowly exhale, imagine, just visualize that you're using the breath to breathe out through wherever that tension is in the body. And allow yourself to ask that tight body part, what's the message you have for me? If this tension wasn't here, what would I be aware of instead? If this pained body part had a voice, what would it say? 
if it had the ability to write, what would it write to me? The next essay is titled, Operating Creatively from Within Human Conditioning. And the essay reads, The belief in an objective external physical world can inhibit us from understanding the larger context in which we exist. Reality is ultimately consciousness-based, not based on our shared physical environment or the activities that we can mutually validate here. The content of our shared physical environment is, of course, valid and worthwhile, and yet it is not all we are. It is not fundamental. And indeed, in the, quote, big picture, close quotes, our physical experience of Earth is actually quite a specific and unique form of experience. In thought-responsive systems, our personal nature gives rise to reality experiences that have incredible richness and depth. Our thoughts, beliefs, expectations, and intent all have profound power to shape what we and others experience. Our innate creative power becomes immediately evident. So again, this is the theme. We are creating our experience of life in each moment by how we choose to focus our conscious awareness. The essay goes on and says, Since our thoughts, beliefs, and expectations are currently based on what we've learned during our time on Earth, when we as human personalities encounter a thought-responsive system, we often engage with them in ways that are very human. We see human environments, we interact with human objects, we perform human activities, and we encounter very real forms that arise from the rich and varied content of this collective human consciousness. This includes religious, mythological, and symbolic forms. These symbols can seem to become alive, and we may forget that they arose from within us. But you and I are far more than human. We are far more than the patterns, sights, sounds, teachings, ideas, thoughts, and beliefs that we have become so wrapped up in and we have been veiled in as our human experience on earth in large part our limitations are something we learned while on earth you and i are not so limited as it may seem here and elsewhere beware of your power you are not powerless except that you believe you're powerless. You are not trapped, except that you believe that you're trapped. 
you are not the forms and restrictions. You are not even your body. Rather, you are a powerful spark of the creative source of all things. And whether you are consciously aware of that or not, you will be wielding your creative power. You can choose to do so consciously. Be aware of who you are. The content that you are holding within you is the fuel of your current experience. It creates your current experience when that's what you choose to focus on, when that's the filter through which you choose to view your life that creates your experience. When you learn to face that content, process it, integrate it, overcome it, and find out who you really are, that's when you face yourself. Face your motivations, face your intent, face your fear. You always hold the keys within you to what you see around you, both in this physical system and in other systems. You always hold the key within you to what you face around you. I just flashed on the book. I know I've mentioned it a number of times, but this book by Pierre Pratervand about titled Messages of Life from Death Row about Roger McGowan on death row and six foot by six foot by ten foot cell where he's actively being abused on a regular basis. And he's there for a crime he didn't commit. And they know he didn't commit it. But because of the legal system, the way it is, uh, eventually all they could do was get him off of death row after 20-some years. But he's still in prison. But now he's still transforming people's lives in prison. And here's a quote from that book. The spirit cannot be held down. It was created to soar. And I have witnessed the spirit triumph over unbelievable odds. That's a quote from Roger McGowan early in 2003. On death row in Texas, one of the worst places on this continent to be as a human being for the level of abuse that you're subjected to. And that's his experience. The spirit cannot be held down. The spirit was created to soar, and I have witnessed the spirit triumph over unbelievable odds. What we choose as our focus, as our content, as our filter for looking at our lives, actively creates our experience of life, even in situations that many of us would call highly abusive. So we have plenty of time for a conversation, 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1 or type in something in the chat room or send us an email. 
You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. How is this landing for you? What's difficult to hear in this work? How is this clashing with what you've been taught to believe from your family of origin or your cultural upbringing or your religious upbringing? Even if you don't want to raise a hand and talk about it or type something in a chat room and talk about it, you can still be aware of the tightness and tension of the various thoughts and emotions that get stirred up in you as you listen to teachings like this, questions like this, possibilities like this. The next essay in line is titled, The Ubiquitous Presence of Life. The the essay reads, Life is always present in everything. Because life, and here in parentheses it says, which is synonymous with awareness, it's synonymous with spirit, it's synonymous with consciousness, close parentheses, life is always present in every experience. An experience cannot occur without awareness of it. You are living awareness. And as your awareness is a part of the sea of awareness, all awareness that exists, as that's the truth, therefore you are connected to everything, everywhere. How can you be alone when wherever you go, everything you see and everyone you meet is life? How can you be alone when the you that sees is the same you that is all things? Consciousness is connected to everything. There is no content that can occur within life that can separate you from life. There is no experience of distance no experience of pain, no experience of loss that can truly separate you from what you truly are. All things are made of this energy we call life, and you are that energy we call life. So how can you ever be absent from its care, life's care? You can't. You can have the dream of being separate. You can create an experience of being separate. And yet you can never be separate from life, from your creator, from everyone that's ever existed. You're connected by this thing we call life. The next essay is titled, 
becoming comfortable with uncertainty. And the essay reads, Become at ease with the state of, quote, not knowing, close quotes. This is exactly, to my eye and ear, what the poet Rainier Maria Rilke would talk about in his letters about how we need to learn to live in the question. Not demand answers, but living in this state of open questioning so that we might someday live along into an answer. An answer which our minds could not comprehend when we originally posed the question. So this essay says, become at ease with the state of not knowing. This takes you beyond mind because the mind is always trying to conclude and interpret. It's always trying to judge. The mind is afraid of not knowing. And in truth, many of us have been conditioned that if we don't know, we get punished. Or if we get the answer wrong, we get punished. So we've been conditioned to believe it's not safe to live in the question and leave things open. So, because this is true, when you can be at ease with not knowing, you've already gone beyond the mind. A deeper knowing that is non-conceptual than the knowing that arises from that state. This is a quote from Eckhart Tolle. This essay goes on and says, In its desperate striving for control, the ego hates uncertainty. Because we have fear and ego, we hate uncertainty. But the uncertainty that can occur within this veiled experience of this rigorous physical universe is actually taking place within the larger context of spirit. And that larger context of spirit is built on the law of love. Therefore, even when great uncertainty arises, we need not fear it. For we are always in love's care. We are always connected to our source. We always remain as we were created to be. The essay goes on and says, Uncertainty is an opportunity. As it arises, it provides valuable counter-pressure that can allow a person to face and feel the real fear that is within there is no shame in feeling fear when our physical life or stability is threatened. Acknowledging that we feel it and allowing it to arise early is a step toward integrating it and healing it forever. While uncertainty may evoke the fear of lack of control, and we might generate the perception of powerlessness when that happens, the perceived lack of control is actually an opportunity. Power lies in accepting powerlessness. Power lies in accepting powerlessness. When that acceptance is not just an idea and a deep 
personal surrender instead, that is when true personal power is gained. The process of becoming comfortable with uncertainty may not be a swift one, but that's okay. Every step toward conquering fear is accomplishing real work. It can take potentially many moments or many lifetimes to face and heal our deeper fears. Yet, we need not be daunted by the scope, for there is immeasurable power in this present moment. What uncertainty is arising in this present moment for you? What's getting stirred up? Whatever it is, just be with it. Listen to your deepest heart and meet it as truly as you can. Do not fear. It is how the play on the earthly stage is arising for you at this time. Your inalienable power to choose has not been removed. And it never will be. Make a choice from love. Make a choice from courage, honesty, and non-resistance rather than a choice from fear. The circumstances do not have to land a certain way for you to be free. For you to just be you. Spirit is with you. Indeed, the very source of all things is with you right now. And in the truth of that, right now, what is there to fear? There is nothing to fear. The circumstances don't need to change in order for you to be free. So, 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1. Let us know how this is landing for you. What are your comments? What are your questions? What are your answers or testimonials? Today's a Monday, so we'll have to wait all the way till tomorrow to have another Mind Shifter support group. But we will have another one tomorrow. We may not have one on Thursday of this week. But we will have a Tuesday support group. All the information you would need to join that is available on a separate website, mindshiftersacademy.org website. And I will remind us that we have a separate information page for the Tuesday group login and a separate information page for the Thursday group login. And we'd be happy to have you join us or forward that information along to somebody that you think would benefit from joining us absolutely free. All you need is a computer or phone with a Internet connection and a Zoom access code. Six one zero, believe it's Susan. Hi, Dr. Tim. So question. If we are connected, absolutely connected, and we are 
God and everything. But if we don't feel it, then we just aren't. No matter what, if you don't feel it, then how do you live in it? Well, when you say when you don't feel it, you just aren't. The way we use language, that's not accurate. Okay. Right? It's like if, if if I say, you know, I step on the scale and it says I weigh 240 pounds, but I don't feel 240 pounds. I feel like I'm 280. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm automatically 280 pounds. I just ate, you know, a very rich, full meal and I feel bloated. But I get on the scale mm-hmm. and it says here's a certain number. Well, I don't feel that number, but that doesn't change the, the actuality. The I don't actuality. have an experience of it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have an experience of it, but it doesn't change the actuality. But, okay, I agree with that. That makes total sense. But what good is the actuality if you don't feel it? What good is Because it's always that- there for us to feel when we shift our filters. The good of it is, it's still there. It's like saying, what good is it to have parents who say they're doing what you want when they won't give you more ice cream? The good of it is they are doing what's best for you, even though it's not what you think you want. Even though you can sit there and say, I hate my parents because they made me come in because uh, it's getting dark outside and I want to stay out and play with my friends. You may say, I hate my parents. My parents are horrible. It doesn't, mean, doesn't make them horrible. And mm-hmm. and they're there, and they're useful, and they're respectful, and they're loving. And it's available for you to see that when you change the filter through which you look at them. That's the same truth here. Yeah. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Then I'm having a filter problem. Yes. Yes. And our filters, what are they created from well our conditioning our past life experience the trauma energies we're holding on to yeah but those are the filters whether you want to call it conditioning or brainwashing and when we change the filter we see things differently and then we experience them differently well i have had that experience but I've also had the experience of feeling as if, okay, um, I'm really not, don't have enough vitality or brain power or grace to feel that at this moment. So I guess you'd say get out a tool, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> well, if if you want to change it, yes. Yeah, Okay. If you just want to argue for your limitations, then they're yours, and you can hold on to them as long as you want. I guess I really want to do that. <laughs> you, you really want to do what? Hold on to it? Argue or you want to change the filter? <laughs> I think I'm arguing for my limitations right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are some layers to that, like belief in the ability to be able to change a filter. Uh, yeah. Well, just knowing it's possible is good. 
Well, so say that again. There are what what's blocking you from your belief in your ability to change a filter? I'm not sure. It may be just a feeling of being um, not vital enough to do it. Or it might be, I don't want to do it. I want to yes. argue for my limitations. That's a good well, and, thing you say. And, 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 and usually when we're doing that, when we're arguing for our limitations, if we're willing to look at the dynamic underneath it, Okay. We will uncover. We will uncover. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm afraid that if I change my filter or see my true nature, that this, this, and this is going to happen, and I don't really want that to happen. That's true. Remember, remember, I told a story about. Um, I had a woman in my office, and there's a an experiential exercise, a very simple one. It says, okay, let's imagine that if we had a magic wand here, we could wave the magic wand, and you could wake up tomorrow and this problem would be completely resolved and you wouldn't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. So let's just have you do a two-minute meditation here, a little visualization. What would your life be like if you woke up tomorrow morning and this wasn't there? And uh, the woman said, I'm not doing that exercise. And I said, okay, that's fair (laughs) enough. And And I said, now, Without any pressure on you to do the exercise, let's just have you talk for a minute about why you don't want to do that simple little exercise in the psychologist's office. And she said, without skipping a beat, because if I did that, family members would die, family members would go to prison, and, um, and my life would be over. And I said, okay, then we're not going to do that exercise. And of course... She thought I was doing some kind of reverse psychology work on her, and I said, no, 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 believe me. If I had a migraine, and I went to the doctor, and he said, I can give you this pill, and if you take this pill, you'll never have a a migraine again. But also, family members will die, family members will go to prison, and your life will be ruined. I'd say, no, thanks, I'll keep the migraine. (laughs) Yeah, that's So unless I can uncover that fear and see Mm -hmm. it as completely false and silly. Unless I feel the truth of the silliness of it, Mm -hmm. then the fear will stay in place and it will drive my decisions and my choices and which filters I keep in place. So that will be what I create my life out of. And that's got to be okay because it's my choice. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, thank you for uh, this question here at the end and helping us uh, look at it a little bit more deeply. I'll mute you so you can listen into the second hour. And I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Kim. I appreciate it. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio. And today is Monday, July the 24th, 2023. And our call-in number is 
888-346-3581 and press 1. And that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And we'll give Michael a moment to dial in. And I'll just remind everybody that this week on Thursday, it's the uh, fourth Thursday of the month, and so there's uh, the regular book club. They're going to be doing chapter twenty or chapter seven, and so join us with that. You can if you go to the website and click on schedule, then you'll see that there are two things. There's the, it'll say, Global Book Club, Why Book? And then there's another one that says Global Book Club, A Course in Miracles. And uh, so we do the second and fourth Friday is the regular Course in Miracles. And then the third, I mean, shoot, sorry, (laughs) the second and fourth Thursday is the regular uh, book club. And then the third and fifth, if there is a fifth, Thursday is the Course in Miracles, and uh, so and all of the archives so far are out there on their website too. So you can go out and, and if you click on those links under Schedule, then you'll be able to get to the archives and listen to those. And so so far, um, on the Course in Miracles group, we have played the. I'm trying to get over there at the same time. The very first week, they did the introduction and advanced understanding of the Course in Miracles. The next week, they did the lesson called the New Beginning. And this past week, we did what is the world. This coming week is going to be um, the name of God is my inheritance. And I'm not sure if they're going beyond that or not. So those, uh, the three are already out there in the archives, and they're. Um, one of them's two and a half hours. The other two are three hours long. So what, what they did was they showed the actual video of the workshop that Michael did with those titles. And then there was like an hour, hour and a half of question and answer afterwards. And so you can pick up those archives and watch those and, and uh, be part of that. You can The Zoom link is on the website so that you dial in and be part of it live. We also have several people now that are doing the uh, codependence communication self-study. That is also under schedule, the information for that. And there is a free three-hour, why is this happening to me again? And that's under schedule. And then there's the instructional videos and then the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing, the monthly membership, and that also is growing. So there's opportunities out there. All of that is, is done on Zoom. And it's going very well. And so be part of that. Join us. And we welcome you here to the show. We've got, you know, five days a week uh, for two hours, counting Dr. Tim's hour and then our hour. We are here to support you, to answer questions, to discuss whatever is up for you, whatever, whichever direction you would like the conversation to go. And all you have to do is on once you're on the switchboard, press one and a hand goes up and it lets us know you have a question or you want to talk. If you're in the chat room, you can type your question in, and I'll read it out uh, online here, and we'll answer it. If you're doing the app, which is a free app, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, you can download it for free from uh, either your iPhone or Android both, 
and you can ask questions from any page of the app. So if you're, you know, on step two or step four or whatever, and something doesn't make sense, you can ask a question right there. Hit send. It sends me an email with your question, which I will read out on um, the radio show. We will answer it and address it, and then I'll send you back an email telling you what day and time we addressed your question. So we can always support you that way as well. So participate with us, and we would appreciate it. And uh, it seemed like there was something else that I wanted to bring to everybody's attention. And my mind's not going there right now. So Michael still has not signed in. And I, I'm not sure if he has anybody ask a question. I just flipped over, and I do not have an email question or anything. So um, press 1. Ask, what can we support you with? Which direction would you like to go this conversation? Michael? No hands are up, and there's no question in the chat room. And so it's all yours. Take it away. If you're talking, I can't hear you. My mute button is on, sweetie. I apologize. So welcome, everybody. Delighted you're here. And two suggestions I have. I didn't hear your whole intro, sweetie. Did you uh, talk about the uh, Course of Miracles video from uh, last week with Hear My Voice? Yes. I was telling oh, cool. them that there are, right now, that there are three archives and the titles of them, and that we showed the actual video of you doing the workshop and then followed by questions and answers. And all of those are on our website if you click on Schedule and go to Global Book Club, A Course of Miracles. And I know you're going to be doing it again on August 17th, and then we don't know if it's going to continue after that or not. So, that yeah, not sure where it's going from there. Yeah, and I told them that this Thursday you'll be doing Chapter Seven out of the book. Um, in, yes. In the regular meeting. That's what we'll be doing. But I'm I'm suggesting that uh, that everyone give a listen to that uh, session. Um, I'm just looking for it right now to see just what the time is. It's also in the notes for today, and it was the What is the World? Well, for some reason... Do you remember what the exact time was on it? You mean how long it is, the length of it? Yes. It is... Um, oh, here it is, three hours and 26 minutes. Just found it. Cool. So uh, I'm going to suggest everyone that you invest that three hours and 26 minutes and 12 seconds because the... The way the presentation came together, the questions and answers were monumental, and, and it uh, it filled in a lot of blanks. It laid a lot of foundation work. Uh, I was actually kind of, uh, hmm, what should I say, pleasantly surprised 
as I listened to the video. I hadn't listened to it since I did it about six years ago. And the way it came together, it was just really awesome. And, you know, one of the things for many people that keeps their minds from rising higher in understanding and being able to reflect true understanding is that some of the foundation work is missing. Some of the brain cells aren't there to fill in the blanks for a higher level of understanding. And so between the questions and answers in the session itself, uh, that was uh, a, a really powerful foundational piece. So if you're really working at this work, I'm going to suggest you jump on YouTube and go to Michael Rice, that's our YouTube channel, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, space R-Y-C-E, and then look for What is the World? There are actually two videos on there by that title. One of them is the, uh, the book club. That's the one you want to watch. The other one is a, an abbreviated 30-minute video. But this is, it's an hour, it's almost two hours, the, the video portion on the course, and then the question and answers. And... It just really came together to lay a, a foundation for every mind to rise to a higher level. And, of course, what we're looking to do, what we're looking to support, is every mind being able to rise to the level where it supports us stepping into the experience of actuality, you know, remembering they're recognizing that reality is the output of the human mind. And the reality's output from the human mind are all from carbon-based memory. Remember, carbon-based memory, this, this body-mind unit is an energy system that's designed to store every frequency that comes to it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, doesn't matter what it is. It's stored holographically in every cell in the structure, including, by the way, the sperm and the egg. So where you conceive a child tomorrow, that child would have in its structure every thought you've ever thought, every feeling you've ever felt, every reality you've ever engaged in. And that carbon-based memory, and if you look at the... Uh, carbon atom, you'll see that there are six electrons, six protons, six neutrons. You might recognize that number 666. means that whatever the mind is outputting, the mind of man, as was referred to in the ancient teachings, you recall they said things like, the mind of man is not yet conceived of what lies in store. Yeshua, when he addresses Peter as Satan, he says, he, he tells him why he calls him Satan. He says, for you think in the mind of man. If we're in the constructs of the mind, even if we're in the highest level of constructs of the mind, man, it's so exciting. This is such great intellectual information. It's still all from the past, and none of it is the actual truth of the moment. But building the brain cells to bring that mind of man, that carbon-based memory system, into alignment with truth means that then that mind becomes a stepping stone into the direct experience of actuality. And that's where we get to experience who we are as human beings. Until then, you know, <clears throat> we've defined over and over and over again what a human being is, that we are the active presence of love. But that experience can't come from the mind. Nice things can come from the mind. If you program the mind with all kinds of past niceties and love, you know, we're gentle, we're kind, we're all those things. That's all very nice, but it's not the actual experience of, no matter how nice it is, no matter how great it is, no matter how accurate it is, it's not the actual experience of a human life. That's why forgiveness is so important because what forgiveness does is it collapses, 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 collapses the output of the human mind, and it makes a space 
for us to taste the truth of who we are as love, as human beings. You hear that in the scriptures, Yeshua was talking about those who are the highest in the realm of man are the lowest in the kingdom, in the community of love. <clears throat> Remember that the kingdom of heaven in Aramaic, this, this is not theology, it's just where we live. The kingdom of heaven is an improperly translated statement from the Aramaic scriptures. What they were talking about was the community of love. So if you've got the highest intellectual, carbon-based memory, understanding, it's just the top drawer, man. Every People look at you and they listen, they go, wow, that's so cool, that's so exciting, that's so neat. That's all well and good, but that's right at the bottom rung of the ladder of the direct actual experience of yourself as love. That's why it takes the tools to dissolve or to clean up carbon-based memory. Yes, build a foundation in it so that it, it gives you something to stand on, gives you a consistent reality structure that is capable of beginning to reflect the actual experience of the community of love, experiencing yourself as conscious, active, present love. And ultimately, that's the only thing that will make us happy. It doesn't matter if we get everybody in the world to clap their hands and give us accolades and say, oh, how wonderful you are. We love you. There's no love in that. There's no experience of love in that. There's approval. And having lots of people approve you can be really Dr. Feelgood. But that's not human life. And that's why we're working to refine, to understand, and to make the tools available for collapsing that thing, collapsing it, collapsing it. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, what they call in the world a near-death experience. When you do forgiveness, it's like a, what the world calls a near-death experience. Now, a near-death experience is a state where carbon-based memory, the body-mind unit, experiences clinical death, which means carbon-based memory shuts up. <clears throat> then people get to taste the state of being a human being, the state of love. So, in fact, it's not a near-death experience. It's actually a near-life experience. If you read about, if you study, if you look at the people who've had the experience of clinical death and, and fortunately have come back, most of their conversations, except those who got really stuck in carbon-based memory and the terrors and traumas of their own mind, and then they said they visited hell, but most people's experience is that of the pure presence of love and light and wisdom and intelligence and guidance. We're, des we're not designed to die to have that experience. We're designed to be alive, to live, to have that experience. So each time you forgive, each time you do that worksheet process, what happens is you collapse carbon-based memory. It's the same thing as clinical death. The thing collapses. When it collapses, you get to taste. Now, the mind is usually really fast, so you know if it's not in clinical death, you've collapsed something. Then it comes up with something else, and it comes up with something else, and it comes up with something else, and it comes up with something else. And there's work to be done to clean out all of that something else to get to the taste of who you are as human life as the active presence of love. So recognizing that in order for 
the content of carbon-based memory to be consistent with the truth, it takes work. And once you've got a foundation, you know, you go back to Yeshua and he says, his work is only for those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Now, I think we can relatively safely assume most everybody in this audience had what we call physical eyes and ears. So he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about those that have the brain cells for the truth that he's presenting. So as the brain cells are put in place and as the aberrant energy in brain cells is removed, forgiven, then everything in the mind is consistent with the truth of being and your own carbon-based memory then becomes a support. The mind of man becomes a support for living in the higher state of relationship with the creator, relationship with direct active law. Again, go back to that passage where, you know, Yeshua has just gone through his big cleanse process. I mean, so deep a healing crisis, he sweat blood. And then he says, I'm ready to take on the energy dynamics of this world that need to be healed. I am going to be here to support every mind, heart, and being on the planet in processing through whatever hate, whatever fear, whatever rage, what they called sin, the energies that were off the mark. Remembering that the word sin in Aramaic is an archery term, and it simply means off the mark. You fired at the target, you missed the bullseye, it's Gorkipiyalva. Sin, you're off the mark. So when you resolve, when you remove those things that are off the mark, then everything, all of the information in carbon-based memory, everything in brain cells, is consistent with the truth of you as love and experiencing your life out of that creative state. Now, the mind corrected, the mind of man corrected. You remember, again, he called Peter directly. Not a very nice thing to do. He called Peter Satan. He says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you think in the mind of man. You're stuck in your carbon-based memory, and there's aberrant energy in your carbon-based memory. And Peter, you are way off base. Get out of my way. Get behind me. And then what do you say with the alternative was? The alternative was, you think in the mind of man rather than the plan of love, rather than the community of love. So in essence, that's the practical impact of this work. And so bringing carbon-based memory along into harmony with truth is a really important part of the process, and that's why I'm recommending that video, because as I sat and watched it, I, at one point I was actually in tears listening to it. And so there's a foundation of information, and then the conversation, the questions were just right spot on, and really a, uh, what can I say, just spend time with it <clears throat> and give us some feedback. If you watch it, you know, how did it strike you? What, what happened? What's happening for you with it? And we'll be delighted to hear your sweet voices. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up ready to share their sweet voice or anybody in the chat room with a thought for us? Any questions from the app? There, I just checked out on the... Uh on my email, there are no questions from the app. We have a few people in the chat room and a few people on the switchboard. Nobody has a hand up. Okay, well, we're getting close to the completion point on uh, Michael Singer's book on the untethered soul. And right. 
if I, in the context of our conversation today, if I were to interpret the title of his book, The Untethered Soul, I would interpret it as one that is not locked into carbon-based memory, not tethered to the mind, but awakened as a spiritual being, and then having a mind to work through in the world. So fits really well. Why don't we check out a little more of what, uh, what Michael's got to say and has been writing. Okay. We had started Chapter 16, which is titled The Spiritual Path of Non-Resistance. And so he says, eventually you'll see that this resistance is a tremendous waste of time and energy. The fact is you're generally using your will to resist one of two things, that which has already happened or that which hasn't happened yet. You are sitting inside resisting impressions from the past or thoughts about the future. Think of how much energy is wasted resisting what has already happened. Since the event has already passed, you are actually struggling with yourself, not the event. In addition, contemplate how much energy is wasted resisting what might happen. Since most of the things you think might happen never do, you are just throwing your energy away. How you deal with your energy flow has a major effort on your life. Do you want to say something? No, I'm with you. Oh, okay. (laughs) If you assert your will against the energy of an event that has already happened, it's like trying to stop the ripples that were caused by a leaf that dropped into a still lake. Anything you do causes more disturbance, not less. When you resist, the energy has no place to go. It gets stuck in your psyche and seriously affects you. It blocks your heart's energy flow and causes you to feel uh, closed and less vibrant. This is literally what is happening when something is weighing on your mind or when things just get too heavy for you. This is the human predicament. Events have happened and we continue to hold their energy inside of us by resisting them. Now, when we face today's events, we are neither prepared to receive them nor capable of digesting them. This is because we're still struggling with the past events. Over time, the energies can build up to the point that a person becomes so blocked that they either blow up or shut down completely. This is what it means to get stressed out or even totally burned out. There is no reason to get stressed out. There is no reason for blowing up or shutting down. If you do not let this energy build up inside you, but instead allow each moment of each day to pass through you, then you can be as fresh every moment as you can as you would be on a stress-free vacation. It's not life's events that are causing problems or stress. It is your resistance to life events that's causing this experience. Since the problem is caused by using... uh The way that I would interpret him speaking of, and he's he's done this several times now in the book, about it passing through you, uh, I think most people would have a problem with relating, having brain cells for what does that mean. In the context of this work, I would offer my understanding, interpretation of what he's saying there would be that you're functioning out of being. You've, you've entered the practice of connecting to yourself as love and you're holding love conscious, active, and present as you experience the events in life. 
And so in, in that state where love is present, one has a direct experience of the energies that are going on in the world, and they're experiencing them out of a state of love. Otherwise, what people do is they experience their, the events through the interpretation and the constructs of carbon-based memory that just all too often are based on unresolved pain and trauma. So the mind takes an experience, makes a story out of it, and this is a terrible one, and this is a painful one, and this is a hurtful one, and this is a sad one, and this is a traumatic one. When the truth is, if you're, as he's saying it, letting it pass through you, if you're experiencing from a state of love, a state of being, if you can hold to that conscious act of present love, then anything negative held in carbon-based memory, any memory, anything based in hostility or fear held in carbon-based memory will be able to open and process out so that it's not there hammering on you with the old unresolved pain. And from that state of active love, and that's why we suggest you make this your daily practice, is cultivating your relationship with conscious, active, present love with yourself as love. And then whenever you breathe into a space, if there's something in carbon-based memory, maybe it's from when you were two years of age, maybe it was an in utero experience, maybe it's something that goes back 20 generations. But being there as a state of active love, you transmute that energy. You don't live in its trauma repeating the why is this happening to me again experience, but rather you live out of that space of active present love. Good. So, since the problem is caused by using your will to resist the reality of life passing through you, the solution is quite obvious. Stop resisting. If you were going to resist something, at least have some rational basis for resisting. Otherwise, you are irrationally wasting precious energy. Be willing to examine the process of resistance. In order to resist, you must first decide that something is not the way you like it. Plenty of events make it right through you. Why did you decide to resist this one? Something inside of you must have a basis for deciding when to simply let things pass through and when to assert willpower to either push them away or cling to them. There are a billion things that don't bother you at all. You drive to work every day. You hardly notice the buildings and the trees. The white lines on the road don't stress you out at all. You see them, but they pass right through you. Don't assume, however, that that is the way for everyone. Someone who paints street lines for a living could get very stressed out if those white lines were not even. In fact, they could get so stressed out that they refuse to drive down that road anymore clear that not all of us resist the same things or have the same issues. This is because we don't all have the same preconceived notions of how things should be or how much they should matter to us. If you want to understand stress, begin by realizing that you carry around with you your own set of preconceived notions of how things should be. It is based upon those notions that you assert your will to resist what has already happened. Where did you get those preconceived notions? Let's say 
that seeing azaleas in bloom stresses you out. Surely that doesn't bother most people. Why does it bother you? All we need to know is that you once had a girlfriend who grew azaleas and she broke up with you when they were in bloom. And now every time you see azaleas in bloom... And, of course, it's not the seeing of the azaleas in bloom that stresses you out. It's the unresolved painful experience in your mind resonated by the azaleas. There's the, the dividing line. And the reason why I'm breaking in with, with these subtle refinements is because our words tell our minds how to structure our carbon-based memory pictures. So if I say, oh, the azaleas stress me out, then my mind goes, okay, well, I'll show you a picture where the azalea is to blame for your stress. When you wake up and you recognize that, of course, nothing outside of you can stress you, but anything can resonate the stresses within you that you not, have not resolved, then when you language correctly, wow, you know, I, I understand this. Every time I see an azalea, it resonates. I, I don't know, it brings this stuff up and... I really need to work through this. Now my mind has permission to show me what's underlying the stress rather than living in the world where the Azaleas or Charlie or Bill or Harry or Mary or Hortense are the problem. To be able to change that internal dialogue is a really key part. In fact, it's it's so important that 2,000 years ago, Yeshua says the power of life and death is in our words. We can destroy ourselves with the improper use of words, and we can lift ourselves out of the deepest mud with the proper use of words. So, just another subtle thought. Okay. So now every time you see azaleas in bloom, your heart closes. You don't even want to go near the things. They just create too much disturbance for you. These personal events that take place in their lives have impressions on our minds and hearts. These impressions become the basis for asserting our will to either resist or cling. It's no deeper than that. The events may have happened in your childhood or at various points throughout your life. Regardless of when they happened, they left impressions inside of you. And now, based on those past impressions, you are resisting the current events that are taking place. This creates inner tension, turmoil, struggle, and suffering. Instead of seeing this and refusing to allow the past events to run your life, you buy into them. Believing they have real meaning, you put all your heart and soul into either resisting or clinging. But in truth, this entire process has no real meaning. It just destroys your life. The alternative is to use life to let go of these impressions and the stress that they create. Yes, ma'am? This one is the spiritual path of non-resistance. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's know what chapter we're on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, let me let me add a thought to that. Sitting on the couch, listening and understanding. You know, for those who perhaps have more recently joined the uh, the radio show, Ari is now four. Actually, should be five next month. Planning a birthday celebration, eternal day celebration for her. And the first year and a half, 
she would be here at our house. Well, actually, the first four months, the kids were had leave at work, so they were home with her that whole time. But then after that four-month point, she would be here at least two, quite often three days a week. And one o'clock radio show time just happened to coincide with her nap time. So for about a year and a half, two to three days a week, she was laying in the crook of my arm with her head on my shoulder, sleeping as I did the radio show. It was really sweet the other day. She came in and and uh, I was laying on the bed doing an house and she came in and laid her head on my shoulder. I said, do you remember when you used to do that when you were a little baby? That was always so sweet. And she said, no. And so I explained that that's what, what we did. And she said, well, that's, it's really sweet. She said, would you like to try? And she leads back and says, here, put your head here on my shoulder. It's like, oh, it doesn't get better than this. <laughs> so, so she's got the brain cells for so much and comes up with so many things. It's just amazing. Yes, she is. So the alternative is to use life to let go of these impressions and the stress that they create. In order to do this, you have to become very conscious. You have to carefully watch the mental voice that tells you to resist something. It literally commands you. I don't like what he said. Fix it. It gives you advice and tells you to confront the world by resisting things. Why do you listen to it? Let your spiritual path become the willingness to let whatever happens make it through you rather than carrying it into the next moment. That doesn't mean you don't deal with what happens. You're welcome to deal with it. But first, let the energy make it through make it through you. If you don't, you will not actually be dealing with the current event. You will be dealing with your own blocked energies from the past. You will not be coming from a place of clarity but from a place of inner resistance and tension. To avoid this, begin dealing with each situation with acceptance. Acceptance means that the event can make it through you without resistance. If an event takes place and is able to make it through your psyche, you will be left face-to-face with the actual situation as it truly exists. Since you are dealing with the actual event rather than stored energies stimulated by the event, You won't assert reactive energy from your past. You will find that you are able to deal with daily situations much better. It is actually possible to never have another problem for the rest of your life. This is because events are not problems. They're just events. Your resistance to them is what causes the problem. But again, don't think that because you accept reality, it means you don't deal with things. You do deal with them. You just deal with them as events that are taking place on the planet Earth and not a personal problem. That's what we talk about, you know, uh, confronting people or situations from the place of love instead of hostility or fear and being able to actually hold someone accountable but doing it from a, a connected space and not from, you know, as he says, the uh, events from the past and reacting out of the past. You will be surprised Changes to find everything. that most... Yeah. You'll be surprised to find that in most situations, there's nothing to deal with except for your own fears and desires. Fear and desire make everything seem so complicated. 
If you don't have fear or desire about an event, there's really nothing to deal with. You simply allow life to unfold and interact with it in a natural and rational manner. When the next thing happens, you're fully present in that moment and simply enjoying the experience of life. There are no problems. It's all about no problems, no tension, no stress, no burnout. When the events of this world make it through you, you have reached a deep spiritual state. You can then be conscious in the presence of whatever takes place without building up blocked energies. When you attain that state, everything becomes clear. In contrast, the world around them, while struggling with their own reactions and personal preferences, when a person is dealing with their own fears, anxieties, and desires, How much energy is left for dealing with what's actually happening? Stop and think about what you're capable of achieving. Up to now, your capacities have been constrained by constant inner struggles. Imagine what would happen if your awareness was free to focus only on the events actually taking place. You would have no noise going on inside. If you lived like this, you could do anything Your capabilities would be exponential compared to what you've ever experienced. If you could bring this level of awareness and clarity to everything you do, your life would change. So, as your path, you take on the work of using life to let go of your resistance. Relationships are a great way to work with yourself. Imagine if you used relationships to get to know other people rather than to satisfy what is blocked inside of you. If you're not trying to make people fit into your preconceived notions of what you like and dislike, you'll find that relationships are not really that difficult. If you're not so busy judging and resisting people based upon what is blocked inside of you, you will find that they are much easier to get along with, and so are you. Letting go of yourself is the simplest way to get closer to others. The same is true in your daily work. Daily work is fun. In fact, it's easy. Your work is just what you do with yourself during the day while you're spinning on a planet through empty space. If you want to be content and enjoy your work, you have to let go of yourself and let events flow through you. Your real work is what is left to do after all else passes through. Once the personal energies pass through you, the world becomes a different place. People and events will appear different to you. You will realize that you have talents and abilities that you never saw before. Your whole view of life will change. Every single thing in this world will look like it's been transformed. This happens because you let go in one situation. It affects your clarity for other situations. For example, let's say that you're afraid of dogs. Oh, I can relate with this one. Um, You come to realize that other people aren't afraid, and they make it through life. Since you've been afraid your whole life, you suffered while others didn't. That suffering had no meaning, so you decide to work with your fear and relax when you see a dog. The way to work with resistance is by relaxing. That act of relaxing through your personal resistance not only changes your relationship with dogs, it changes your relationship with everything. 
Your soul has now learned how to let disturbing energies pass through. The next time somebody says or does something you don't like, you automatically treat it the same as you did the fear of dogs. This process of relaxing through resistance is beneficial to everything in your life. This is because it directly addresses how to keep your heart open when it is trying to close. Deep inner release is a spiritual path in and of itself. It is the path of non-resistance, the path of acceptance, the path of surrender. It is not about resisting energies as they pass through you. Oh, it, it's about not resisting energies as they pass through you. If you have difficulty doing this, don't get down on yourself. Just keep working with it. It's the work of a lifetime to become that open, that complete, that whole. The key is to just relax and release and deal only with what's left in front of you. You do not need to worry about the rest. If you relax and release, you will see that it puts you through tremendous spiritual growth. You'll start to feel an enormous amount of it. Uh-huh. He just went through a really big key piece of the puzzle, and that is addressing the underlying dynamic that's going on. There's a, uh, a section in the course that really parallels with what he had just said, and I think expands it just a little bit more. It's a section on the fear of redemption. And it says, and you know, a lot of people who work with the course, it's like the course is about nicey-nice, always being sweet and all of that. But but that's not true. The course is, the course is about being real and dealing with accepting and working with what comes up in you. So this particular passage clarifies the underlying dynamics that need to be looked at. And what it says is, you may wonder why it is so crucial that you look upon your hatred and realize its full extent. You may also think it would be easy enough for the Holy Spirit to show it to you and dispel it without the need for you to raise it to awareness yourself. Yet there's one more obstacle you've interposed between yourself and healing. We have said that no one will countenance fear if he recognizes it. Yet in your disordered state of mind, you are not afraid of fear. You do not like it, but it is not your desire to attack that really frightens you. You are not seriously disturbed by your hostility. You keep it hidden because you're more afraid of what it covers. And so when he talks there about what underlies, what's at the root of what needs to be dealt with. And then the Course goes on and says, You keep that which is so disturbing hidden because you're afraid of what it covers. You could look upon the dark ego's darkest cornerstone without fear. If you do not did not believe that without the ego, you would find within yourself something you fear even more. You are not really afraid of crucifixion. That would be trauma, drama and such. Your real terror is of redemption. Under the and, and redemption simply meaning coming back to the state of love. Under the ego's dark foundation is a memory of the creator, a memory of love, and it is out of this, it is of this that you are really afraid. 
for this memory would instantly restore you to your proper place, and it is this place that you have sought to leave. Your fear of attack is nothing compared with your fear of love. And, of course, when you look at it from the point of view of carbon-based memory, I was working with a gentleman this morning who touched into some, after many years of doing this work, touched into some really dramatic, traumatic underlying childhood experiences. And having been severely taken advantage of and abused by those who were supposed to, quote-unquote, love him, the definition of love became this deep level of pain. And once you understand the underlying dynamic, then it makes it easier to be able to bring it to the surface, to embrace it fully, to totally, completely hold whatever's there in that space of conscious, active, present love and dissolve the underlying dynamic that gets projected into so many structures of the mind, so many realities. So the willingness to embrace the darkest parts of your own mind, your own history, your own genes, your own family system, becomes a mega key in the healing process. That was it, sweet. Awesome. We only have one paragraph left. Um, You will feel much more love than you've ever felt before. You'll feel more peace and contentment, and eventually nothing will ever disturb you again. You truly can reach a state in which you never have any more stress, tension, or problems for the rest of your life. You just have to realize that life is giving you a gift, and that gift is the flow of events that takes place between your birth and your death. These events are exciting, challenging, and create tremendous growth. To comfortably handle this flow of life, your heart and mind must be open and expansive enough to encompass reality. The only reason they're not is because you resist. Learn to stop resisting reality and what used to look like stressful problems will begin to look like the stepping stones of your spiritual journey. And that's the end of that chapter. Right on, Michael. Thank you for that. Right on. So our objective is in any given moment to be willing to apply the tool of forgiveness so that whatever's held in the genetics, whatever's held in the memory bank is safe to embrace, safe to bring forward, and safe to process through, whatever it is. And those threatening memories of pain that most people have and they organize their whole lives to stay away from it don't contain pain at all. All they contain is a memory of pain and 
the instant that you bring it forward in the presence of love, the offending energy that is at the root of the pain is dissolved. By exposure, by simple exposure to love, the underlying dynamics of the mind are healed. That's all. So that's what we're here to do. What do you think of that, Miss Nini? I agree. Stay here. Hey, Alma. What are we here for? He'll tap all them. She doesn't want to. She usually will tell you immediately. We love. She knows the answer. So it looks like we've got about 12 minutes or so left, 13 minutes, something like that. And so do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? If you're out there in listener land, how can we support you? What's on your mind? Is there anything you need support in processing through? If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, the call-in number is 563-999-3581, 563-999-3581. Call that number. If you're listening in one of the other broadcast stations, call that number, and you'll be listening to the show directly. And then all you do is push one, that raise the hand in the control panel, and we'll be having a conversation. So what's on your mind? How can we support you? Well, dear heart, I'm pretty much complete with what I have to say. Do you have anything else to offer today? Um, No, unless you want to mention we've talked about Heartland uh, lately. I think you've talked to a couple of people. Yeah, I have. And uh, thinking about maybe making a trip up there sometime in the next week or two, three, I'm not sure exactly to get some work done that uh, needs to be done to at least one of the buildings. And so looking, you know, putting it out there, if anybody would like to join us at Heartland for uh, a little bit of a work week, and of course part of that would be that we'll do some still point breathing and uh, and some forgiveness work. So it'll be a a sort of a mini work week sort of thing. If anybody uh, might be interested in joining us to support that and handling the food or assisting with uh, with what we're going to do. That would be awesome. The main thing we're going to do, we've got a building that's got a leak in the roof, and we need to put a new roof on it. So looking to both fund that and to get the roof put on. We had looked at that several months ago, and it seemed like the leak occurred because of one major rainstorm, but now, unfortunately, it's past that point. So, so if you're out there in this land and you want to Participate in that. Drop Jeannie an email, J-E-A-N-I-E at W-H-Y again dot org. Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E at W-H-Y again dot org. Give your name and phone number and we'll be in touch and see how that all comes together. If you're interested in coming to join us, that'd be awesome. Beyond that, I'm, I'm pretty much complete if you are, sweetie. If no one has a hand up, I'd rather continue the conversation, but I'm 
complete with what I have to share so far without questions. Last call for a hand up. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Create the best year of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the First Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.